Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your special guest host, Stuart Hagestad. Welcome to the back of the range. I'm your guest host, Stuart Hagestad. It's been an amazing few weeks of amateur golf to close out 2023, and we're already off to a great start in 2024. Ben James won the South Beach Amateur to close out 2023. Early in 2024, Jacob Maleski won the Jones Cup. Michael Thorbjørnson finished 11th in Dubai. It's great to have him back and healthy. It's nice to see Drew as well over there. Kazuma Kabori won on the PGA Tour Australia. Teenager newly minted pro Aldridge Potgeter won in the Bahamas on the Corn Ferry Tour. You may have also heard that Hunter Hamrick stared down two Ryder Cuppers and won his first PGA Tour event. Nick Dunlap was there too. Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. He's a man of many talents and a dear friend to the world of amateur golf. A great player in his own right, highlighted by countless top five finishes in respective FSGA four balls and amateur events. Truly the only thing that's sharper than his game is his wit. He has highlighted the world of amateur golf over the years yet he is usually behind the camera. His work is unmistakable, and he brings a smile to all of our faces whenever he is spotted at any event that he is covering. As mentioned, he has become a dear friend to the world of amateur golf, and we sincerely thank him for everything that he has done for us. Ben Adelberg, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? Thank you for uh, thank you for guest hosting this episode. I appreciate it, Stu. I gotta tell you, this is one of the first times I've been on the other side of the mic, and I'm a little nervous. I think you deserve a lot of credit um, for everything that you do, and this is this is this is fun. Thank you. Well, I I'm I'm a little nervous too because I know that you've done some research as as I knew you would as a as a uh, stand-in guest uh, podcast host, and of course the internet's always 100 true at all times. So I'm a little fearful of what you found about me. Um, so yeah, I got my coffee, got got my water, sitting here. I'm comfy and uh, I'm ready. Let's let's talk about um, your start in the game. A date that that sticks out to me is is January third, two thousand eighteen. Um, it does. So, <laughs> so that is the day that the back of the range officially started. That's right. That, that's right. You're 100 percent right. That is the first episode. Um, that was uh, Steve Anderson, local Palm Beach uh, legend wasn't the first recorded episode, but it was the first episode that was released. I probably started researching podcasting about three or four months prior. You know, how do you edit a podcast? How do you record it? How do you structure an interview? What am I going to be talking about? Uh, all those things were done months in advance. But yeah, the first episode was released January 3rd, uh, 2018. Now let's talk about um, let's talk about the genesis kind of of how the back of the range started. You know, both the idea creation, the curation of of the product, you know, obviously kind of moving from podcasts now, as we've discussed to merch, you know, to following events to, um, you know, kind of different organizations that you've partnered up with all the way down to uh, last year, getting an invitation to the masters, which, you know, really kind of accelerated the growth of the podcast. Tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of your start, call it in the game, so to speak on the podcast standpoint. And then if you could pivot after that to your start in the game in general and, um, and how this all kind of started. So, yeah. So with the podcast, I think, you know, I played some mid-am stuff here in, in South Florida and 
I think my skill set kind of peaked at like maybe finishing like T19s in state mid-am events and, um, you know, enjoyed it. But I think I was like, okay, I think I've reached kind of a ceiling of what I'm going to do as a player. Once you kind of get in your 40s, I don't really want to hit balls three nights a week. I don't necessarily want to go play in these tournaments all the time. So I've always been kind of a, you know, I wouldn't say a side hustle, but like I always need to have a project going. So I was like, man, I, I'd like to kind of do something a little bit different. And podcasting was kind of kind of reaching its uh, uh, growth a little bit more. And, and those were kind of popping up. And I think uh, one of the first golf podcasts that I really listened to a lot was Shane Bacon's um, podcast. And I, I was like, you know, that that'd be kind of interesting to do. But I, I don't quite know how I would fit into that. I don't see myself as someone getting and starting a podcast and telling everyone why you know, I think Tiger is this and here's why Rory won't win as many as Tiger and Phil's. Not, I just that I didn't have a connection with that. But with all the amateur tournaments I played, and all the people I met, and especially down here in South Florida, there's so many great players that not a lot of people know about. You know, like the first guy that pops to mind is like Rick Wolf, who, gosh, I mean, 70 years old can play with anyone's probably played in 30 or so USGA championships. He was on the US Mid-Am Committee beat tiger three and two in like the 1992 dixie amateur all these great stories i was like that'd be kind of fun and um i was at a florida state golf association event it was completely rained out we're at like a um you know like a twin peaks uh you know alehouse kind of restaurant and we're every everyone's there hanging out because it's pouring and it's like hey i'm thinking about doing a podcast where i just talk to amateur golfers what do you guys think and i talked to rick and i talked to all these other guys and they're like oh uh, yeah i don't know what a podcast is but yeah whatever you need that sounds that sounds cool and um yeah that's kind of how i got the idea to do the podcast just kind of taught for the first year or two i mean gosh you were the last episode in the first year so i think the entire first year was just me talking to guys that i play golf with and that's really how the podcast kind of came to be and then as far as me playing I never played golf as a kid until I was in, gosh, I don't think I played really until I was 13 or 14, but how I started is I went to, uh, I'd spend my summers in Kansas with my grandparents and grandma would drop me off at the putt-putt course in town when she would go to the grocery store and get her hair done. And then I would, you know, someone got me a, like a wedge and I would hit golf balls around the farm. And then my dad, who was a pawnbroker down in South Florida. Pawnbroker? Yeah, he's a pawn on two pawn shops. Oh, so, oh. yeah, yeah. No, no, it's pawn. A yeah, pa- yeah, yeah. Pawn, yeah. Yep. This episode can go in a different direction. No, it's it's pawn shop. Um, but yeah, my first set of clubs were a set of Lynx Master Imperials out of the pawn shop. And, you know, I didn't belong to a club. I would go to local public courses and chip and putt. And I think I played one year of high school golf and... Uh, that's really, that was my start, but yeah, that's, that's kind of a little bit about how everything got started for me. So you, you mentioned that you're someone that loves to have projects and things, um, you know, kind of going on in your life and yeah, definitely, you know, kind of a hustler and, and someone that when they have a goal in mind, you know, they, they kind of run after that. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you were at Lexus Nexus and you were also booking talent around Florida. Like what was that transition like to basically take the leap to go into this full time? I mean, at the time, that must have been either a bit of a risk or, you know, a source of some kind of anxiety. Like, how did tell us about that inflection point and that decision matrix? I got really lucky where I always had great people that I worked for at LexisNexis. Uh, they're a 
data company that I was a did account management and sales for them and always had really supportive people that I worked with. And even when I was playing my my golf, if I came back to work the following week and and I, you know, people were, hey, how'd you do in the tournament? How'd you how'd you play? When I qualified for US Mid Am in twenty twelve, they thought I was the best golfer they've ever met in their life. They're they're really, I mean, they never would have paid attention to the Nathan Smith that actually won the damn thing. I was the, the conquering hero. So they were very supportive of my golf. And when uh, I started the podcast, I started working for a boss that was in Pittsburgh. So I no longer had to go to the office. I could work out of the house. So the synergy of, okay, I could, I could handle my work for LexisNexis, but if I needed to you know, take a call at two o'clock, which would end up being recording a podcast at two o'clock. I could do those things. So that was tremendously helpful. The The podcast grew and then photography and video work grew. And I would, gosh, for that first year or for, for about a year and a half, I think I was working my day job at LexisNexis. I was booking talent as a licensed talent agent in state of Florida. So I got bands that I'm trying to manage. I'm doing the podcast. Then any vacation time I had at Lexus, I would go travel to a tournament. So I would leave. I would take two days off, go to you know the Gasparilla, I'd go to the Jones Cup, go to wherever, and then I'd come back. I'd have thousands of photos to edit. I'd have 300 emails waiting for me on on Sunday night, Monday morning, and that was my life for about a year and a half. I think what happened is is I got so fortunately I got so busy with with tournaments that I was able to go to and getting hired to do content that it was either, okay, I either need to slow this down because I'm losing my mind by working 100 hours a week. I either need to slow this down or I need to go for it. And I think that I just was searching for so long to find something I was so passionate about. I was like, I do not want to know what it feels like to always wonder what if I would have taken this this shot. So for me, it wasn't tremendously difficult you know, I don't have the wife and kids to support. That made it a lot easier. And I just like, look, let's just go for this. Let's see what happens. Left on great terms at LexisNexis. Still keep in touch with my my former boss and my my uh, uh, coworkers, and and they they follow the back of the range. They're super supportive of it still. That's cool. That's cool. And it's really it's kind of an organic way, you know, to think about it. And I think that if you look at a lot of you know, other folks in different industries, they they focus on a lot of the same touch points that, that you kind of mentioned, right? Um, you know, the passion, the 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 itch that you maybe just couldn't scratch, and yep. and and definitely um, something that 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 I can relate to. When you do have a passion, you maybe don't have call it you know wife or kids. You know, as part of the equation, it allows you to kind of. I, I had look for really no qualms about making the jump because things were progressing in a good way. I could kind of see how. Uh, this was going to go, or at least how I thought it was going to go. And I also did not want to have any regret about shutting this down or slowing it down. And really, it wasn't sustainable to do something like this with a full-time job for, you just, you, you can't do it. Totally. Yeah. Let's reflect back and talk about some of um, the early goals that you may have had with the podcast, and then maybe transition into what some of those goals have have turned into today. And just kind of reflecting on, you know, what that progression has looked like. Thinking about the first, call it 5, 10, 20 podcasts, were there numbers that you were looking at? Were there views? What, or, or maybe there were certain guests that you were trying to potentially get on the pod. How did you kind of think about growing and, and kind of curating that brand and that platform? And then how, over time, did it progress to where we are today? 
I think when it comes to the podcast, first of all, I have no journalism background whatsoever. Nothing. No radio, no journalism, never wrote a blog. Truthfully, I'm kind of a private person when it comes to social media. Like for people that follow the back of the range, it's, yeah, I know you're going to have a tough time relating to that one. Next two of us. Yeah, there you go. Um, I did not want anything to be like, hey, look at me. I just, I really hope that that people, when they follow what I do, they see it's not, hey, look at me. It's more like, hey, look at look at my guest, look at the players. You know, that's kind of what I was going for. When you're starting a podcast, at least for me, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to like this. Like, I literally had someone, you know, gave me the idea, hey, you should try this. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try it. I didn't know if that was going to be good. I remember the first 15, 20 episodes recording them remotely, not even have the guest in front of me. I'm at home. I got my, got everything set up and I'm talking to my guests on the phone. I would get done after 45 minutes or an hour and I'm almost drenched with sweat because I was just so nervous and I'm thinking and everything's just, there's a ton of things going on. I didn't know what I was doing for the first few episodes. So worrying about hitting metrics and numbers and am I going to get a sponsor? I was like, I still think I suck at this. There's so many countless podcasts. Like you listen to yourself, you know, when you're when you're talking to someone and you're trying to relate, and all you can think about is, God, that was horrible. Why did I say that? I'm sure that watching the growth from day one to today, it's just unbelievably, you know, it's it's oh, it's, it's a different product. No, I mean, look, in the first year, I think I had so Nathan put us together, if I remember right. So I had Nathan Smith. I'm like, I'm not going to get Nathan Smith. This guy's. On top of the mountain, he's won four U.S. Mid-Ams. This guy's a legend. I don't know how to get a hold of Nathan Smith, but I got a hold of him through, I think, Napper. So it was just the community just puts it, put it all together. But no, when I first started, I'm like, I don't, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't like sponsors. No, I, I was like, this is a fun project. I want to tell stories. And then I was like, okay, I think I'm starting to get the hang of this. And you know, one of the most important episodes, I think, was actually, I got super lucky. A, a friend uh, of a friend said, oh, I can get you Joe Buck. Oh, wow. And I was like, there's no, come on, stop it. I hadn't even started the podcast yet. Uh, I was like, oh, I don't want Joe Buck right away. You're like, oh, no, you I know get what? You. I remember that episode. Yeah. 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 I studied, I read his book twice. I w- worked and worked and, and just prepped questions and, and just really worked hard on that and did that episode. And the, at the end of it, I was like, hey, you know, Joe, I, look, I'm really new at this, man. I said, I, I'm not asking you to give me the whole report on what I what we just did, but did he's like, no, man, you're just keep going. You you this is good. You that must got, have been great for your confidence. oh, but that was that was probably the most like people ask me like, what's your favorite episode? I don't really have a favorite, and that's that, not one that people would think of. Nope, that's the most important episode in the history of the podcast. Truthfully, for for the growth of it, or for me kind of getting my feet, that's the most important episode of the podcast. Because that told me that Joe Buck didn't have to say that, and he was like, "No, no, no, you're you're green, but you're you're well prepared, and keep doing it." It's almost kind of like that complement or that accelerator that you didn't really know you needed, you wanted, but you didn't know right. if and when it would ever come. Right? Yeah. Getting the big name, I guess, if you're in love with the numbers, then you want the big name. I did that one time where I went after someone and had them on the podcast and they had a big following and I thought that was going to going to jump me. Jack. Uh no, no. That was that, that no. David Ford. <laughs> uh David Man, that guy. That's a I still haven't had him on since he was a junior. No, David Ford did not uh uh boost the podcast into the stratosphere as most people would think. Who was it? 
No, I'm not going to reveal that name. Okay. I'm, I'm not even going to talk about that. But no, I, I went after a guest and and got it. And it was uh, it wasn't a great episode because there wasn't much there. And I thought it was going to really and it didn't. So go after the episodes that are the people that you really want to talk to that have good stories. And, you know, that'll that'll work out. The, the Jack episode was that was, I mean, you know, pretty special. Yeah, that's pretty iconic. It's a good day. Yeah, it's a good day. Well, you, you kind of touched on, you know, building out you know, both the platform, but also interviewing guests. And you talk a little bit about how really the community, both in amateur golf, pro golf, you know, in everyone that goes into everything that makes a tournament run from tournament directors to greenskeepers to really even kind of sponsors of the event, you know, certainly people where without them, you know, they kind of maintain a low profile behind the scenes, that event wouldn't run without them. How, and you've done an amazing job of this, but how have you maintained such a great relationship over the years with all of these different people and more specifically i feel like you've got to know a lot of maybe inside scoop on things how do you kind of straddle the line of things that you can dig into versus not you do an amazing job of retaining the trust of a lot of people involved in that world and right. you one deserve credit for it but two how do you kind of continue to build that out and to maintain that level of clarity transparency trust everything that goes into that i well thank you i i i'm really first of all i, I get to run the back of the range as how i see fit so i don't have a boss saying hey i need you know let's let's put this story out uh the the inside scoop that i know about things i get to determine if i want to share that with the world and in most cases that doesn't need to be shared you know, whether it's knowing a player that I think may be playing for a different university the following year or or any of that stuff, um, that's I kind of view that as personal for them and, and they get to make that decision on when they want to announce that. And that's not that's not for me. So so I have a that's kind of my feeling on that. As far as tournament directors and sponsors and, and people, I think the fact that I'm a little bit older and I'm working my goal is to promote uh, the players and the tournaments and what's in their best interest. So that's what I focus on. You know, how do we grow amateur golf? How do we grow college golf? How do we make um, these tournaments bigger and more attractive to the average golf fan? Always putting the best foot forward. That's really what I'm trying to accomplish. You know, how do we promote these players? That's really my goal with it. So I think my experience at LexisNexis helped. I mean, just being in the business world. Uh, over communicating. I mean, all the things that you're doing in your in your in your life. I mean, you know what it's like when you're, you know, you get off the golf course and you have to go into a meeting. You have to talk to people. You have to be able to project. You know, those are the important things. So, I think I wear a lot of different hats at tournaments. Uh, taking, I mean, I'm I'm a photographer doing social media. I'm interviewing players. I'm trying to help a lot of the younger players with their interview uh, skills because they're going to get more of that as they progress. So I'm doing a little bit of media training, I think, for the players, helping them with their branding. You know, just doing a lot of different things. It's a wild concept, isn't it? it? Uh, uh, helping them with their branding, right? I, well, I mean, there's times where I'm I'm interviewing a player, and and I can say, I you know, like if I'm have them on something as simple as on video, and they're shifting all over the place, or they're looking around, things like that. You know, I remember, oh god, it was it it was St. Andrews, it was a Walker Cup. Um, there was two uh, ladies, I think, from North Carolina that were there, I think, and they were following Greaser and Minetti and uh, and Ford. I think that's right. But I, I said, hey, guys, why 
Why don't you go hop over there and get a picture with them? They're not thinking about that because they're playing a practice round. I don't fault them at all. But th- that made their those two ladies that came over, over, all the way over to follow them and they got a picture and a keepsake, that means the world to them. They are going to go back and tell their friends, I walked with the, the, the Carolina kids at the Walker Cup and I got to hang out with them and talk to them and they will tell that story to everyone. Those little things that help bridge the gap and make those connections, I kind of keep my eye out for the things like that. You mentioned sponsors earlier, and we talk about building a brand. You yes. Know, well, in the world of that we live in, we're obviously both massive college sports fans. Yes. You've got the transfer portal. You've got NIL. Um, you've got agents. I'm sure at some point you have either looked at maybe not necessarily NIL money, but you've looked at you know different sponsors and bringing them on, and you've done a great job of kind of maintaining, call it the purity of what it was like when you first started yeah. both the podcast and the platform. Is there anyone that's approached you? Is there anyone that you have turned down that you maybe regret? Is there anything, <laughs> is there, is there any step along the way where you were kind of like, I wish I had gone in this direction or how do you think about that? Fortunately, even though I've been doing the podcast for five years, the content piece has really kind of grown in the last two and a half. It's still relatively young. I've been approached by companies. I'm still trying to figure out how I want to navigate that. I want companies to partner with the back of the range because they really believe in the ideal of what we're trying to accomplish here, which is to grow the brand and grow amateur golf and college golf. So that that's where I'm trying to go with it. I I deal with college kids, so you know I can't have a I I don't think a a liquor company or DraftKings is uh, love DraftKings, but you know I don't think that's a great fit for what I'm doing on a daily basis. Yeah, you have to be thoughtful. Got to be thoughtful. Do you have on that front? Do you have someone that you work with, like a liaison, call it an agent, you know, just as maybe as a fiduciary, someone that can kind of help you think through that stuff, or is that all on you? I have a I have a Without naming names, of I course, have a handful to... of of. We have an executive council at the back of the range. Uh, we have advisors that uh, that get called upon. Uh, we have board of directors, so to speak. There's a lot of different titles, but yeah, there are there are a handful of people that I will pick up the phone and say, "What do you think about this?" I think one of the first things, uh, you know, really excited this year. This is the first year I've been a brand ambassador for the Annika and the Haskins Award. I saw that, so that has been uh, really great because I've provided them with with digital assets that they can use to promote those awards but i'm also having great conversations with uh with with people at the haskins foundation you know brian stubbs executive director has been a great friend for for many years and that's a really great partnership because i'm seeing how how that award is thought of in in the grand landscape of college golf and how do we grow that award you know how do we get the haskins award winner an exemption to the masters you know, how, how do we do things like that? You so know? for something that really, you know, labels themselves and prides themselves on being called the Heisman Trophy of, of sure. amateur golf, you I totally the the growth of, of what you could do there. It seems like there's you, right. you could really kind of take that and, and move it along exponentially and blow it up. Yeah. And, and like another thing I want to I want to work on is how do we get the the college and the amateur stars of today once they go to the PGA tour or go to live or or move on to the next level how do we still have them interact with amateur golf and keep growing amateur golf from their elevated platform you know how do we do things like that you know can we get a you know can we get a a, a tournament or something an exhibition 
with, uh, you know, Haskins Award winners facing off against each other. You know, can we get a Chris Goderup and a Ludwig Ober to play a four-ball match against uh, Gordon Sargent and Michael Thorbjörnsson? Two guys that are on the final watch list against two previous winners and have them play a match and put that on YouTube and have that be something, you know, can we do that? I mean, I'd sure hope and think that people would watch that for sure. Right. So how do we get the award to that level? Yeah. And I mean, there's even other ways like Roseang is one of the most prolific, you know, amateur golf, you know, college golfers of all time. Sure. You know, if you were to incorporate, you know, folks like her, obviously, you know, Rachel Heck has been an amazing player. Anna Davis, you can kind of go down a list of a handful of of the different, you know, whether it's junior golfers on the female side, um, college golfers. I mean, even if you were to bring in Megan Stassi. Sure. um, You know. There's a handful of, you know, there's so many different directions that you could take that. You could you could get a Hagestad to, to pop in, per, perhaps. No, I'm I'm a podcast guy. I, I, I would be on the side and I would do my best Justin Thomas impression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's just so many different different directions that you could take, you know, whether it's it's the Haskins, obviously with the Arnold Palmer Cup, there's a lot of different directions. You know, it's other the other kind of foremost call it team event. You know, there's obviously the Curtis Cup. There's the Walker Cup um, at the mid-am level. There's the East-West or the concession cup matches. There's a lot of different directions that you could take that. Um, and I certainly think that a lot of different networks, you know, would at least take the call and be interested. Yeah, I, I with the way technology is right now, it's so you can put this content out and get it out to many different areas. Like, I mean, we see it with, with Good Good and Bob Does Sports. I mean, there's all of that. I mean, it's literally a two or three camera shoot. Um, let's get some of those out there with more amateur golfers. Do you think that any of those platforms would ever be interested in maybe do, I mean, you see it with good, good a little bit. They're beginning to build it out. There's so much, I won't say it's an oversaturation, but there are so many different podcasters in the business. I, I guess almost to pivot and to, to go to a different question. I love how, and I think all of us agree. And that's why, you know, we become good friends and support you and in yeah. the back of the range. And, is there anyone in particular that sticks out? You mentioned Shane Bacon earlier, but one way that you can, you know, in all walks of life, whether it's, you know, in sports and business and family, whatever, you look at people uh, that do an amazing job in one specific bucket. How have you looked at different podcasts or different media platforms and maybe tried to take things away and then to implement them into yours? I'd like to do more content where it's telling a better story on video it's more shareable on social media. I'd also like to get out and play a little golf with some of the players and have that filmed. I think a more of a walking and talking video podcast while hitting some shots would be interesting. I think that to grow the brand, as much as I've kind of resisted the, hey, look at me thing, I think I need to be a little more visible with the brand instead of just some faceless, okay, that's the back of the range guy and just being recognized for the voice. Well, I, you do have, you know, I got the radio. Face for radio. I appreciate yeah. that. I do. I know. I but I got to get out there and and do a little bit more of that. But yeah, I I, I like what is happening on YouTube. I may not. I may be a little bit too old to be in that kind of bucket of the early. You could do 20- YouTube, no TikTok. <clears throat> no, no, not TikTok. So yeah, I I think I want to incorporate a little bit more of that. But I still love being in the amateur and college golf space. Like I don't see myself really diving into the pro ranks anytime because because i would be a very 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 small minnow in a very big pond and i would i'd kind of be lost let's take a step back 
one of my favorite memories of of seeing you was at the 2021 Walker Cup, and you had the U.S. team was fortunate enough to to come away with the victory that week. But there was a moment where your mom was there, and it was a very it was a select group, and there was you know it was COVID, so there was you know there was kind of a, a limit on tickets, and there was a really neat moment where you had the chance to kind of spend time with her and to lift up the trophy. And yeah. I love listening, um, especially around holidays to, to different podcasts where you talk about your mom and how much she means to you and talk a little bit about your mom and you know, what that relationship is like in, in the world of golf and just how special you know she is. And then maybe relate it to your relationship with parents and people that you've had the chance to meet, you know, whether it's juniors, college, um, whoever it may be and, and kind of what that's like. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my mother um, was actually very. She, you know, even when I made the move to do this full time, I, I obviously she's, a, you know, big part of that executive council, so to speak. And she's like, "Yeah, you have to do this." She's like, "You absolutely have to do this." Um, there, there's no question. So, uh, huge supporter of everything I do. You know, she was a business owner uh, as well. Uh, ran her own uh, jewelry store for over forty years. So, uh, great business mind. So you know, we have a lot of conversations that involve around, around business and things like that. So, so that's great. Yeah. She listens to the podcast. She, um, Walker cup at Seminole. So the thing I remember so much about that is, is, you know, us wins and parents are taking pictures with the trophy and, and the players and my mom's there and, and she, uh, I'm like, mom, get in there with a picture, you know, Robbie Zalznick, former, you know, team managers there and everyone's there. Mom, get in there. So she gets in there and she, uh, for whatever reason, well, the trophy's on the ground. So she does the, you know, the, the, the little league pose, you know, on one knee next to the trophy, you know, she does that and, um, you know, get the picture. Okay. That's great. And then she's getting up and she is getting up and she'll obviously deny this, but she's leaning on the Walker cup to brace herself as she's getting up. And I am just, just looking at this happen. I'm just, I'm, I'm horrified. Cause like, I don't, I don't know how strong the Walker cup is and I'm watching it's robust. This. Yes. And I'm watching <laughs> this happen and I'm just like, Oh no. And I'll tell you what, Robbie Zalznick uh, is a very calm and, uh, I've never seen him move that fast. He <laughs> ran in there and scooped up. Oh, let me help you up, Mrs. Adelberg. And let me, he didn't care about Mrs. Adelberg. He's like, get this lady off the Walker cup. And he swooped in there, picked her up. Um, that was great. I, I, you know, she was also at St. Andrews. Yeah, uh, I remember seeing that, her there. That was fun. You know, it's really cool that she gets to come to these tournaments every once in a while and kind of see, just how how special the uh the, the the family is so to speak the amateur golf world is very small she was just you know she's in st andrews and i'm walking down the street and hey ben how's it going hey ben oh back of the range she's like oh my gosh you've just i said yeah that's it's kind of it's a pretty cool environment that we're all in she's already planning uh, to go to cyprus in in 25 pretty sure she's going to want to go to lahinch in 26 so yeah, it, it's it's been great. And as far as the other parents, that's been a lot of fun too. Just meeting, you know, just meeting all these parents and and trying to see them navigate just going from junior golf to now, you know, their their kids going to want a little bit of independence because they're going to college, but they're they're so incredibly proud and excited for their kids. It's it's just it's fun to watch and you know, you just meet all the different personalities and 
it's uh, it's it's a neat little part of it. We're all a traveling circus, especially in the summer. I mean, it's just I drove Maxwell Ford from the Santa Ana to the Northeast. Yeah, I was literally doing a little bit of prep work before this, and I was listening to that podcast, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I forgot about that." Oh, I it's like you know went to the Dunder Mifflin building. Oh, it's great. I mean, Karen yeah. Karen Ford, uh, you know David and Maxwell's mother. She's like, hey, Ben, I've I've can I ask you a question? Yeah, what what do you need? She's like, so you're driving to the Northeast. I'm like, yeah. Can you can you drive Maxwell? Like, I'll pay you to drive my son. I'm like, Kahua should pay you. It, it, well, see, there's the, I think. Yeah, I should have charged that. But I was like, I'm not going to charge you. I said, just, you know, just tell the kid I'm ready to go and we'll, we'll, we'll go, I'll get him there. But yeah, we had to go to his favorite restaurant, Cracker Barrel, for breakfast and went to the Dunder Mifflin Paper Factory. But I think we're going to do that next summer. I think I'm going to get like a minivan and, and, That'd be get, a great little. And as yeah. you see, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm like, we'll have like a GoPro or something, or slap a back of the range sticker on the side. Some, yeah, yeah, northeaster bust, and and yeah, we'll we'll do that next summer. I'll get a minivan and get a couple uh, players in, and we'll just make a road trip from Sunnyhead to Northeast. It's incredible. Yeah, it's great. I think I'm the cool uncle of of the amateur golf space where they can trust. They know. I don't want to know what they're doing as twenty year olds. Like I'm never trying to like I don't want to have a beer with them. I don't. That's their thing. They want to go have a beer and or get on TikTok or Snapchat at three in the that that's none of my business. I find a little spot in the middle though. There was one year, and I'm gonna leave names out of this, it's not important, but we were we were at a tournament. We'll leave all the names out of it. Wow, we're really we're really going and, we're going to a and, dark site um, right now. You know, we uh we went to dinner and there was a there was a kid that was playing in the event uh that ordered a Shirley Temple at uh at dinner. Yes. And then a couple hours later we were at a little barbecue get together area and he was drinking a corona. And I was kinda like, you know, I don't really care what side you're on, uh-huh. but just help me compartmentalize this in my head. Like where yes. where where are we? Yes. And what's funny is that you don't need to tell me anything more about this story, and I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what is the back-of-the-range version of shooting 59, a perfect game, a 300? What What is, in your mind, What is what is the perfect kind of round, day, tournament, you name it? Oh, you mean like, you mean like an episode, or you mean just... Could like- be an episode, could be a tournament, could be, could be an interview, could be... You know, like last year at the Western, you went and you did little interviews with a bunch of the the contestants. Yeah, yeah. What what is your version of? Hey, I was throwing two hundred miles an hour today. Um, well, I I think I've kind of came close as far as the podcast goes. Back in twenty, oh gosh, when was this? This is episode one eighteen. So it was. If you're that good, that's impressive. It was well. Jack Nicholas, you don't forget yeah. that one. Yeah. So sure. 118. That was February of 2020 before COVID. And I drove, uh, took a long time to get that episode lined up. That's a much, much longer story. But believe it or not, actually it came about because of my talent agency uh, experience. And months, months later, uh, got the opportunity to, to have Jack Nicholas on the podcast, drove to his house did it in his office, recorded it, everything went great. And then after that, met up with Downing Gray and Spider Miller at Seminole for beers. Good day. That's a that was a pretty good day. It's a good day. As far as content goes. The chip nip and sip. 
yeah, community, that, executive chair, and that, yeah, that yeah. was that was quite a day. Um, I wish I would have had a microphone going in the club in the locker room there at Seminole, but that I, I that probably wouldn't have gone over very well. But that would have been incredible at a tournament. I don't know. I, I I think when you get the interviews and you get the shots, and I'm really lucky, man. I know this is so cliche, but I go to work every day at these tournaments, and people are thrilled that I'm there. What else? What else? Can well, you, most people. Most people, yes. Um, you know, what else can you ask for? Uh, you know, it's a it's a great opportunity. It's a great life that I've luckily fell in, fallen into. Um, if you don't get the best photos one day, eh, it's okay. I think being able to grab a lot of interviews with players and have the relationships and grab dinners and grab lunches and things like that that that's what makes a really good day. When when you generally connect with the players and you help, you're helping to grow the tournament. Those are all great days. You want to do a lightning round? Sure. Back, get- wow. When I first started the podcast, this was called the quick bucket. Oh, I like that. Remember that? Yeah. I, I don't know. Want, or like, you want to play the loop? The loop? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah no. Lightning round? Sure. Emergency right. nine. Emergency I think, nine. Uh, I think Colt and Sleaze have that one, but, but uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm quick, ready. Quick bucket? Quick bucket. I'm ready. Would you consider yourself a professional or an amateur podcaster? Professional. Uh, if you could do an NIL deal, who would be your dream NIL deal? I wouldn't say dream, but, uh, I would say, um, I would say, uh, I would really like, especially coming into the summer, I would really like a Southwest Hilton and, uh, an enterprise rent a car deal. That would be perfect. Let's put you in touch with the voice of college football, Joel Klatt. (laughs) Southwest Hilton and, uh, an enterprise rent a car or Hertz, um, Yes, they can they can duke that out, but that would be great. How about how do you knock off the rust? Wow, because uh, you, you were at a minor league golf tour event the other day, and that's... just just taking pictures. I was not playing in it. Uh, I was just taking pictures uh, with my golf. Oh, oh, oh! To be clear, this was media wise. You know, in the winter time, everyone puts the, oh, put, puts uh, the camera, puts the clubs away, puts the camera okay. away. Yeah, I noticed we haven't gotten to talk about me playing golf yet. I understand. Uh, knocking off the rust, uh, I try and and get out and experiment with with um new equipment i'm researching different ways to create content i'm you know learning about editing learning about different things i'm always trying to keep the creativity going i consume way too much social media but a lot of it has nothing to do with anything you know it's a lot of like okay how did how did that get edited uh why is that why is that photo looking the way it is uh different things like that so that's kind of something that i uh, spent a lot of time doing if you had to compare your podcast game to someone's game that you've covered in the world of amateur golf, who would that person be? And why? Okay. So my podcast game is literally all, it's very self deprecating and it's, it's trying to be informative, but I'm also trying to get my guest to laugh and be comfortable and have fun. So there's that. So it, it has to be fun. I don't know. I mean, is is a Joel Damon, Lee Trevino kind of vibe? Is that? Is oh, this that, is an amateur golf podcast. I specifically said amateur oh, golf. Oh, that's right. I apologize, sir. Uh, amateur golf. Wow. With those qualities, Jamie Miller comes to mind. Jamie Miller, you know, like like a like a Chip Brook, a Tug Maud, uh, you know, on the college side, you know, like like a David Ford. You know, David's really he's a great player, one of the best in the world, but he's he's funnier in hell kind of a space cadet you know i i think 
I think those are good. Like I, I definitely get the job done, but I'm always, I need to find a time for people to laugh. So we, we brought up golf. We did. It's time to go there. Oh boy. Let's talk about your fifth at the mid senior four ball championship in 2018. I, I don't it, first shot 67, 71. Okay. Well, it's a four ball yep. and I don't remember who my partner was. Okay. That's not good. How about the fifth in the winter series at Sand Ridge Country Club, where we we can leave scores out of it? You limped in, but it could have been blowing. Funny enough, that first round I played, I was paired with Chris Solomon from No Laying Up. Oh, and uh, I think we both shot probably the exact same score. Or I clipped couple of, couple industry yeah. titans. Yeah, that was really twenty eighteen is really the end of me playing golf, where my scores would be on the internet. So, well, it was recognized because that year you were the Florida Cup South Team team captain. That yes, you played in five Florida Cups. Yes, I did. And going into twenty eighteen, you were consistent. Yes, four wins, four losses, and four ties. Yes. Unfortunately, that week you ended up losing uh, to Finster. Tough draw there, but we, you went two and one, so it was we, respectable. We we lost we lost the cup by a point. Um, that was a really really cool experience. Um, had a lot of fun there. That was at Hammock Hammock Beach, I think. I think it was at Hammock Beach. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, that was a lot of fun. I got called to ask FSG. Said, "Hey, we'd like you to captain captain the South team." I was like, cool, that'd be great. What a great honor. And then I called back an hour later and said, so am I playing on the team too? And they're like, yeah, dumbass, you're, you're actually going to play. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, that was a really cool, cool memory. I, I was never a guy that, uh, you know, based on my accomplishments, deserved to play on those teams. I think I was always a captain's pick. And they're like, yeah, you know, Ben will be a good fit. And that's, that's kind of how I got on those teams. And then for some reason, I got lucky in those matches and got to play against some really great players and and sometimes come out on top, sometimes got, got beat up pretty bad. Hey, if you play against Finster, he's he's a stud. Man, he's a legend in the area, Finster's, not to mention what a great guy he is. Finster's so good. I mean, Finster was at the time probably about 10, 15 years older than me. Still knocked it past me. Just wasn't, a baller. Wasn't even close. Um but yeah, uh, really great people at FSGA and yeah, Florida Cups are great. That's Florida cool. Cups are really great. Team events, anytime you have the chance to represent something that's you know kind of more than just you, or even if you're just trying to kind of earn your way onto something like that, that's that's kind of that's what it's all about. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I can't even imagine like I, that's why I I think I gravitated so much to the the team environments like Florida Cups. Man, I loved. I got so up for stuff like that. So I think that's why I really have such a affinity for like Walker Cup. I think that's why like Walker Cup's my favorite event to cover. So I you know, just the team events are so great. So the last lightning round question. Yes. Um when I was going through photos, I noticed that there was one where you had an amazing head of hair. Yes. You were quick to assert that it was a joke and it was a wig and um there was a fun little story there. Yes. But are you a are you a visor guy or a hat guy? I am a hat guy. I, I, when you have, when you shave your head, the, the visor look just doesn't work. I, I don't, the only person I can think of that I've ever seen wear a visor with like no hair was like, I think Corey Pavin had that look going for a while. It's a risk. It's a risk. It's a uh, choice. Yeah. Visors has, that's never been me. So I've always got the hat thing. Um, yeah, the, the, the head of hair picture. So that was Florida Cup and, uh, Thad Hudgens, 
great friend, great supporter of the podcast, never wears a hat, never wears, uh, just never, never wear a hat. Doesn't wear a visor, at least at the time, was just nothing. And just had a huge head of just lettuce all over the place. And, um, and I was like, well, I know I can't beat this guy. So, uh, you know, maybe because we were paired together the next day, maybe I can, I can get in his head a little bit. And, um, yeah, so I had a wig lying around that looked very similar to, to his head of hair. And I just showed up on the range that morning and, uh, just stared him down and he's, and he's just looking at me. Everyone's laughing because they know exactly. I mean, it's just, it's so clearly like this is a, he's basically just Thad's doppelganger and everyone's laughing. And then he just looks over and I'm like, just gave the nod of like, good morning, sir. How are you? And, and yeah, we still lost, I think five and four, but that didn't work. But, but I mean, you know, you have to not work. for lack of trying. Yeah, I had to try, but yeah, uh, that was, yeah, that's not my hair. That's not my hair. You know, this has been great. A mutual friend of ours, um, Kevin hammer, who, who I got a little bit of background for, um, he had some really high praise for you. And I'm, as you know, I grew up in Southern California and one of the the people that I always kind of looked up to as a journalist was was Tim Rosefort. Yeah. And one thing that made Tim obviously so great is he had that trust that we talked about. Um, he had a lot of the inner scoop. He knew a lot of the stories on a person or about the players on a personal level. Yeah. And as we've kind of discussed, that's one thing that you've done an amazing job of. And and Kevin, to his credit, who I was debating kind of leaving the name out of, but he deserves credit for this because I think he really hit the nail on the head. But he he really described you as a modern day Tim Rosefort. Wow. Given, you know, it's a modern platform. You started, you know, kind of as a local sports reporter focusing on FSGA stuff. And you've really kind of grown your platform to what it is today. I mean, literally, like as we've talked about, it's a small family. It's a very kind of communal, really loving group. Everyone kind of knows each other. Yeah. It's built on relationships. And you've done an amazing job of having that start, you know, kind of from day one. Obviously, you do an amazing job, and that's why you know you keep getting brought back to come to tournaments. You know, whether it's in video, in podcast, you're always looking for new ways to basically try and have some kind of an edge and to reinvent yourself. But at the same time, and more importantly, I think to all of us, the reason that we love having you around is you become a good personal friend to all of us. Well, thank you. That's that's kind of the goal. Well, I, I like I said, I you only get really one shot to make to kind of cement yourself in this kind of in this world you can destroy it real quickly and you have to protect the relationships at all costs and that's kind of the one thing that i've said to many people you know like hey how do you get into doing what you do and like what camera do you use and that stuff's all great but you have to have the relationships and they have to people players have to get to know you and you have to put that time in especially the other thing too is like you guys you you've done a lot of interviews you've been around the block you've you've been on the 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 big stages most of these guys haven't done that they don't have a ton of experience in front of cameras doing interviews doing podcasts they're still relatively young most of them at college programs maybe once in the fall fall semester once in the spring they'll have the media person come in and do photos and and do some stuff but that's really about it most of them are just super, super green, and you have to kind of keep that in mind. Totally. Well, a dear friend one time said that the ultimate compliment is if you would make time for someone else. And I think all of us in the world of amateur golf can pretty confidently say that we will always make time for Ben Adelberg in the back wow. of the range. So thank you. Thank you for, for everything that you do for us, for the game. 
um, for leaning into different stories, to getting to know our families. Um, it's been a pleasure to, to get to know you, and I look forward to continue our friendship. So thank you. Thank you, man. This I appreciate you uh, guest hosting. I think we're going to need to. I think I think you're going to need to do this a little more often. I need to I need to work on this. But no, I, I appreciate. Uh, man, you were episode uh, fifty two. Still remember that. So no, I appreciate uh, all the access you provided and helping uh, grow the back of the range. Anytime. And there you have it. Special thanks to Stuart Hagestad for serving as the guest host of this week's episode. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. Looking forward to a great 2024. Glad you're all here with me. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.